Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not on account of the crowd, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's funny how people behave around famous people. I was, uh, my father was heavily involved in an organization called the Air Force Association. And the last year he was the national president. I went, I was in the service and I went to the convention that they held in Washington, D.C. And they were giving, an, I mean, it's a huge event, thousands of people there. And they were giving an award to the author Tom Clancy, who writes, you know, all those CIA books that get turned into movies with, uh, with Harrison Ford in them. And uh, anyway, he gave this little spiel, and immediately following his acceptance speech, we gave him this award, and he gave a little speech about it. Uh, he sat down, first of all, he sat down and lit up a cigarette and grabbed a drink, and he just wanted to be out of there. But uh, the first thing he had to do was, you wouldn't believe, uh, I was watching these two- and three-star generals uh, who command thousands of uh, airmen and uh, seamen and army folks and who, you know, have their thumb on the triggers of everything. You should have seen these generals run to the front to get Tom Clancy's autograph. <laughs> and it was a little, it was a little uh, bizarre, I thought, to see these, these men and, uh, you know, these mighty warriors uh, kind of, uh, you know, befuzzled by this, uh, this great author. <laughs> And ask him for his autograph. And I get the feeling Zacchaeus kind of ha- was overwhelmed too. Didn't didn't quite uh, know himself uh, there because what Zacchaeus was behaving in a rather bizarre way for someone with his kind of responsibility. Here was here was Zacchaeus who was not only a tax collector but he was the chief tax collector, which meant that he had responsibilities over all of the other tax collectors. And, you know, it was a precarious situation to be a tax collector in those days because uh, if anyone got you alone, they might kill you because you were not well-liked. And some of the rebels, the Jewish rebels, they made it a point to go around and kill these tax collectors. I've been talking about this a lot the last few weeks, that tax collectors were traitors. They were people who betrayed their people and who worked in collaboration with Rome to take away the money from the poor. And the way they got money was that they used their authority to extort even more money out of the people that were being taxed by Rome. 
So as long as Rome got theirs, they didn't care how much extra you took care of. As long as the peace was kept and the money kept coming, they didn't care what you did. And these tax collectors built their own people for a lot of money. Scripture tells us that Zacchaeus was a rich man, which meant that he was good at it. And he would take his people for a ride every chance he got. And so here he is in a crowd. And Luke tells us that he is a small man, which is an added obstacle, i got to say, to his authority. Not only, not only does he have to overcome the fact that he's a traitor and have to assert himself against all of that, but he's also not really an imposing figure either. And so he has to rely on other means of getting his point across. Maybe that made him extra nasty. I don't know. <laughs> but Scripture tells us he was a small man and could not see Jesus. And so he did something bizarre. He climbed up into a tree like a child. Like a child. Zacchaeus, I'm not going to demonstrate it this time, but you know he wraps up his, his garments, right? He's wearing a dress, right? Like the rest of them. And he wraps it up and he has to try and climb up into that tree. So he's probably got it all up bunged up all over him and he's hanging out there on a tree watching what's going on and Z and Jesus of course to help the situation points it out <laughs> hey there's Zacchaeus <laughs> up in a tree and everyone looked <laughs> and he's thinking oh great <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time this week <laughs> But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus literally went out on a limb to hear what Jesus was saying. And at this point, Jesus himself goes out on a limb and says, You know what, Zacchaeus, I was on my way through Jericho. Scripture tells us he was on his way through Jericho. He was, he was just passing through. He's like my dad when we're, when we're on a trip. We're not stopping at this city. We're, keeping go we're going to keep going until we can't go anymore. He was going to go on to the Motel 6 further down the road. But he sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, today I'm come down from there, because you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to change my plans, and we're going to your house, and I'm going to enjoy your hospitality. I'm going to stay with you overnight here in Jericho. Jesus also put himself on a limb there, because Zacchaeus, again, like I said, nobody liked this man. They just as soon kill him as look at him. And now Jesus is going to go spend some time at his house. Very strange. Very strange. But he said, I want to go be with you. I want to go to your house. I mean, he could have said, Zacchaeus, come hear my sermon. Come hear what I have to say. Or better yet, get, get notes from, uh, from Andrew there. He's a good note taker. Get notes from him. I'll talk to you on my way through. No, he stops and he says, I want to go to your home. I want to see where you live. I want to meet your friends. I want, to, I, want that, I want you to serve up that dish that your wife is so proud of. Right? And I want to enjoy that with you. I want to laugh with you and have some time together. And we're not told what went on at this dinner. We are not told what the conversation was between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And we are not aware of who else was in the room. 
But what we do know is that at the end of this dinner hosted by Zacchaeus, he was compelled toward justice and his life was transformed and he was at the beginning of that new creation that Paul talks about. He looked around and he said, hey, you know what, I only need about half of this stuff. So I'm going to give away the other half to the poor. And I'm going to, I'm going to whittle things down a bit. And live a different kind of life. And he paid, he said, I'm going to pay back everybody I wrong, not just what I owe them, but four times what I owe them. And pray that they see it as the sincere gesture it is and forgive me for what I have done. And to this, Jesus declares that this tax collector, this traitor, this conspirator against his own people is today a son of Abraham. And that Jesus came to save those who had been lost, like Zacchaeus. Because prior to this, Zacchaeus had been on the outside. And when Jesus says that he is a son of Abraham, he's saying, welcome home. We've missed you. You've been gone too long. You know, Zacchaeus had lost all of his privileges when he became a tax collector. He could not attend synagogue. He was not welcome at the temple the priest would not have performed a sacrifice for him or his family on the Day of Atonement. His sins put him outside the culture and outside the body of God, the congregation. And you know, he wouldn't have been welcome as part of Roman society either. They would have generally looked on him as a traitor and someone they couldn't trust either. And a foreigner, just like the rest. That's not to say that Zacchaeus is a victim here. I don't want to paint a wrong picture. He had his own choices to make, and he chose to forsake his own people's interests in order to make a comfortable life for himself. And I don't know what his circumstances were, but there are better ways to make a living. Amen. But when Jesus said to Zacchaeus, climb down, he was inviting him back in. He was giving him an in. Maybe Zacchaeus wanted to change, but didn't know how. And here Jesus gave him the chance. Climb down from there, Zacchaeus, because you have been on the outside looking in for too long. Climb down because you need to take a risk and appear weak for a while. Climb down and see what all the possibilities are around you. Climb down and begin this journey home. Like I say, I get the feeling Zacchaeus had been wanting to change things for a while, but didn't know how to go about doing it. How do you say to the Roman government, Hey, I don't want to work for you anymore. Here's my house and my property and now lock me up as a security risk and make me a slave because you consider my actions to be treason. How do you do that? And hearing this story, it made me think about how easy it is to be a Zacchaeus in regarding our faith in the world we live in today. 
It is easy not really to have to work at being a person of faith in the world we live in. It's easy to keep God at arm's length. To hold Him out when there is really a... You know, we we tote Him out when there's a big need. Like He's a genie in a bottle. And just rub the lamp. and God, I really need this. and, and, And we pray when we're at our wits ends and not sure where to turn. But it's so easy the rest of the time just to keep God at bay and to describe God as a God of love and yet in our real lives to not really feel that love or see that it really has an impact on us in any way. I read a statistic recently that basically showed in in most areas of the world in most areas of people's lives Christians are about like everybody else the conclusion i took from that is that you know Jesus really isn't impacting their life much Jesus isn't really making his way in it's as if we're in a tree watching from a distance and it's so easy to say well i worship god in my own way and no one'll bother you This is America. You can do whatever you want. It's easy in most other parts of the country to not even consider what you think about God. I know that's not the case here. I grew up here. I know what it's like. In fact, I got to say, I credit growing up in Utah with the beginning of my faith. Because you cannot really grow up here and not think about what you think about God, you know. It's, you're faced with the culture poses that question to you. Which I say, thank God. Because I can guarantee you in Seattle, people can go their whole lives and not have to make a decision about what they think about God at all. I'm the one who poses that question to them half the time. Really? I never thought about it. <laughs> but Jesus is not content with that kind of relationship. Jesus is not content just to be heard from a tree on the outside whenever He's passing through town. Jesus is not content just to be visited on Christmas and Easter. Jesus is not content to have an arm's length relationship. Jesus invites us to climb down and to experience what real faith looks like. Jesus invites us to climb down and to let Him be your constant companion. Not just a myth. So so often we treat the Jesus of our faith like we do Santa Claus. You know, this nice myth that makes us feel good and that brings out good things in us. But Santa Claus doesn't really change your life. Santa Claus doesn't really transform you into something new. And so often we forget that that's what Jesus came to do. To change our situation. To turn us, not just a little bit, but like Zacchaeus, a traitor and a fraud and a crook who turns and says, I'm going to be completely different from now on. 
after one dinner with Jesus. Kind of reminds me of, of Dickens' Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, the one of the worst people in the world until he gets visited by the ghosts. And then Dickens tells us he became one of the best people in the whole city of London. And a great uncle to Tiny Tim and a generous person. Jesus says, climb down and let me show you the way. Let me show you the truth. Let me show you the life. Let me be the good shepherd who will give you pasture. Let me give you my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, let me show you the light of the word and you will be salt and light to the rest of the world. Jesus says, climb down and follow me and lo, I am with you all the days of your life. I'm going to give you everything you need. Doesn't sound like what God wants through Christ is a nice, shallow, unobtrusive, once or twice a year relationship? No. God through Christ is trying to break right into the middle of every aspect of your life. Jesus is going to get all up in your business. Every bit of it. And this is the hope. And this is the intention that Jesus would have the most intimate and meaningful relationship with you above every other relationship you have. The closest friend you have. And it's, I got to tell you, I'm not telling you this because you're going to go to hell otherwise. This is not a fire and brimstone sermon. This is a sermon that invites us into the kind of redemption that has meaning in your life now. I'm talking about your life now. And Jesus is talking about your life now. John 10.10 10 tells us that I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Zacchaeus was not experiencing a very full life. He was rich. He was powerful. He might have been good looking. I don't know. But he was not experiencing a full and abundant life. And Jesus said, climb down and let me show you what real life looks at looks like we are also invited to know what life is really about by allowing jesus to cultivate a deep and meaningful relationship with each of us through prayer through choosing to follow jesus to getting up every day going you know what today i'm living the life you want for me because quite frankly, I'm not doing a great job myself. I'm going to let you show me the kind of life I should have. Because I think you probably know better. And you know, i got to say, for me, at the top of that list is being here with you. I'll tell you, if I had to be a person of faith without you, it'd get nowhere fast. If I weren't here 
on Sunday morning, feeling your prayers, being lifted up by your music, being supported and encouraged and affirmed, being in this safe place where I can weep before God when I need to weep and laugh before God when I need to laugh, where I know I won't be judged, where I know there is grace, I'd be lost. Jesus calls us into relationship with one another in the hopes of transforming our lives and giving us that full and abundant life he promised. Let us pray.